Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Welcome to Foothills Christian Church. I'm Douglas Peak, and I want to personally invite you to be a part of the Foothills family, whether you're here on campus and you're brand new or visiting, or checking things out, if you're watching online for your first time, doesn't matter if you're from California or Connecticut, if you speak English, Spanish, Patois, or Arabic, if you're rich or poor or somewhere in between, it doesn't matter, you're invited to come here, meet Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and how He and He alone will change your life forever. Now, because all there's transition going on when you get your kids back to school, you start meeting new people, there's new events, there's new kinds of things, a lot of people are moving into the Treasure Valley. So you meet folks, and oftentimes if you strike up a new friendship, eventually someone is going to say to you, hey, uh, since we're new here, you know, where do you guys go to school? Do you like it? And hey, where do you guys go shopping? And then they might even say, where do you guys go to church? And so usually what you'll uh, say, well, I go to Foothills, you know, the pastor is a real young, handsome, chiseled guy that is erudite and okay. His jokes are bad, but nonetheless, it's a great fellowship. And so what we did is we thought, you know, in that little environment, that little event, in that moment, is there something we could do to just help that a little bit? Because people like to check things out, particularly churches, anonymously. You know, they don't have to navigate stuff. They want to be able to look at their phone real quick. So now you can say to them, say, well, I go to Foothills. If you'd like to check it out anonymously in your own time, all you got to do is text FH space new to 72,000. And what they'll get is there's like uh, two or three, well, I guess there's probably four or five little two-minute videos. Uh, Kim and I do them, and we just talk about foothills and how you need to find a family. Uh, Pastor Harv uh, talks about what it means to know Jesus. And then our adult ministries director of community, Dana, she does one about how to find community. So if you're talking and you meet somebody and you just say, hey, if you want to check us out, it's anonymous in your own time on your phone piece of cake. So that's kind of a new thing. If you would like to check it out yourself, just try it and then watch some of that stuff. Let us know uh, your feedback and how we can make it better. We would love to hear from you. Now, we've been doing a series called Get Up and Go. Pastor Harv started us off with three power pack messages about how to get our faith going. I suggest you go back and listen to them. I really like the one about make a decision and resolve conflict. And I think we underestimate, we underestimate how not making decisions or unresolved conflict really weighs us down and keeps us from moving forward. So if you really want to dig into that, go back and listen. My son uh, did a couple on serving and generosity. They were awesome. And today I'm going to talk about how pursuing joy is critical to getting your faith moving forward. So if you'd like to take notes, go to our phone app, Sundays, check out the message notes. Now, everyone, and including you, you need joy. You need joy in your life. Research shows that joyful people have much better health. They have stronger immune systems. So right now, with all of this coronavirus going around, you need a power-packed immune system. And joy really influences that. Now, there's some uh, research out there. I'm not sure about its efficacy, but it says that People who are really joyful, they rank high in joy, have 40% more promotions at work than those who don't. 
But the real proof in the pudding is the University of Michigan did a study to find out what really helps people be strong. They have a deep sense of what they call resiliency. And you know what they found? The number one factor in strength and resiliency is being a joyful person. So joy is a little overlooked, I think, in our daily lives. So we're going to discuss where it comes from, how it gets into your life, and then a way of thinking that allows you to really develop and cultivate more joy in your life. So let's ask that first question, and that is, where does joy come from? What's its origination point? Now, this is a deep philosophical question. And I'm not being serious when I say that, because what it does is it really cuts to the core of your personal definition of what it means to be a human being, okay? And there's a lot of answers to this question. I'll just give you the biggest belief systems out there and what they say. Now, the, the concept of joy in and of itself is a uniquely Christian idea. It's uniquely Christian. For instance, in Islam, the whole point of Islam is to surrender to the will of Allah. So all the six pillars of faith, everything you do in Islam is designed to surrender or submit to Allah. In the end, there is no promise of salvation. There's no promise of salvation. In Hinduism, the goal is nirvana. And in in nirvana is not, hey, I want to go and experience joy. That's nirvana. Nirvana is an impersonal thing. The best illustration of nirvana is the force in the Star Wars movies. It's this, you know, unspoken thing. It's an an impersonal, non-conscious energy and that you're going to become absorbed into it. So you lose yourself. When you're gone, there's no you, so there's no joy, there's no happiness, there's no nothing else. In Buddhism, the whole point of Buddhism is that all suffering comes from expectations, so you're trying to remove all expectations out of your life. So there should be never an expectation of joy or happiness or good things, because that just makes you miserable in the end. And then there's atheism. Atheism atheism teaches that there's nothing beyond this material universe. And because of that, uh, Sam Harris has written about this extensively, is that all things that are altruistic, like love and peace and joy and happiness, are illusions that your mind makes up in order to get you to propagate your DNA. So none of these things have anything to do to pursue Joy, the Bible, on, on the other hand, teaches something totally different. The revelation of the New Testament says that the purpose of Christianity is to meet Jesus. So you're going to meet him and you have a relationship with him. He says you must be born again. And what born again means is you were dead in your transgressions and says you're made alive together with God. And so now you're in a relationship with God. You can have peace with God because you know him. God and Jesus are the same. So what you're doing is you're saying, I'm starting a relationship here now. I have peace with God and that brings joy into my life. Jesus Christ said, I did not come uh, to be served, but to serve you, give my life a ransom for many, and in the process, bring joy or abundance into your life. Not abundance in material things, but spiritually is what he was talking about. So what's fascinating about that is it starts here, and then your soul, when you pass from this life to the next, stays intact. The you that is you stays and that's why they, call, they don't call death, death anymore. They call it passing away because you're passing into eternity so that you go to this place called what? Heaven. 
And what's the point of heaven? It's pure, unadulterated joy. And you're in total unadulterated joy because you're with who? God. So what the whole point of Christianity is joy. It's to pursue joy, experience joy. And if you think about it, most of the stuff that, that the Bible talks about when it talks about sin and how sin destroys, as you think, is that really what it destroys is joy. It takes away all your joy. So then the question becomes, is, okay, if Christianity is all about joy and there's a lot of Christians go around, then why are people so not joyful? You know? I've gone to churches sometimes and I've thought not a person cracked a smile in that place the whole time I was there. I don't know if I was at a funeral or a worship service. I don't know. So why is it that it seems like there's so little joy sometimes in churches, but then you look out at our society and you look at, man, is anybody anywhere having a good time? Would you please take a picture and put that on social media? I mean, please, because everybody is just not getting, I mean, it just seems like we have zero joy right now. Well, here is why it's so difficult to be joyful. And that is because of a quote from C.S. Lewis. It's because of our free will. If a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. What that basically means is that when it comes to the joy that I experience in my life, if it's a uniquely Christian idea, is that my choices make a difference on the kind and amount of joy that I experience because I have free will. So let's investigate those choices and see how does this joy, because if this is the point of Christianity and joy is Jesus, how does that get into my life? How does my life experience joy personally? Well, let's begin with Romans chapter 15, okay? And it starts with verse 13 of chapter 15. And listen to what Paul tells the Romans. He says, may the God of hope, may the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're praying that God would fill them with hope. So let's flip on now to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 and look at what he says there. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, that's really awesome, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Don't you? I love the way they say that. He anoints you with the oil of joy. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament and see how its teaching reestablishes and reaffirms what is being taught in the New Testament. In Psalms chapter uh, 19, 8, listen to what he says. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Now, notice the very first part of that is that the precepts of, precepts of the Lord are right. And what do they do? They give joy to your heart. 
And then if you flip back a little further to Nehemiah in chapter 8, the whole verse says this, now Nehemiah told the people, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't you love that? He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, notice the words in all of these verses. Let's dig just a little bit deeper. Joy gets into my life because joy is Jesus. Knowing God is joy. And then he fills me with joy. He is giving joy to me. He is anointing me with the oil of joy. And then that results in strength. So the University of Michigan figured out that what was written 2,000 years ago is true. Good for them. We're so happy that they finally came to the party, you know. See, the joy of the Lord comes into your life through faith, okay? If joy is Jesus, then I am in relationship with Jesus now through faith. And that's how the joy of the Lord comes into my life. And you know what faith is? Faith is belief. Faith is a choice, a decision. It is also taking action. It's also trusting. See, I trust the instruction of God that I follow this path. It, the outcome is this. So you got to trust that, right? And so it's all, faith is believing. It's choosing. It's action and doing. And it's trusting. So in essence, faith is an entire way of thinking about life. It's an attitude about your life. Why you're here, what is the point and purpose of your life? What does it mean to know Jesus and follow him and how that transforms your life? And so to get this really focused, it's important for me to explain to you a principle or a concept that I've talked about in the past, and I want to talk about it over the next six to nine months as much as possible, because I think it is a way of thinking that we have kind of lost, and because of this, many, many people in our society, even some people who are followers of Christ, are discouraged and struggling with experiencing and pursuing joy. And that is called the upstream versus downstream effect, okay? And what I want you to understand is that we all live in the downstream, right? We live in the downstream. When you get up in the morning, I'm living in the downstream of what I ate last night and how much sleep I got. I'm living there, right? I'm living in the downstream of what I've taught my kids over the last three months, right? That's called the downstream. I'm living in the downstream or the effects of the relationship with my wife and how uh, whether or not I have been investing in that, spending time, or I've been ignoring her and I'm so busy, you need to do your own thing, I don't have time for you right now. Well, right now, this day, I'm waking up and I'm in what I call the downstream, right? Downstream is everyday life, everything we hit, whether we got gas in the car, whether we're prepared or not, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's called the downstream. Right. Now, the upstream is the whole attitude of how I think about the downstream, the, the 
upstream is all about my core values. It's about my sense of reality, what defines who I really am. You see, it's the most important things about me. And this is why we as a church say all the time, what you believe is one of the most important things about you. See, what you believe is an upstream thing. This is why in Proverbs chapter 4, the author says in verse 23, it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. See, that's an upstream statement. Everything you do, this, your heart is your upstream. You know, you better protect it because everything flows from it. The actual word there is wellspring, but they don't use it because people don't understand it very well. But I want to give you a little uh, picture of this, and that is uh, before we had kids, my wife and I would go to Honduras, and Honduras is like the second poorest country in the uh, Latin Americas and the Caribbean. And so we would go down there, and we did a lot of missions work. And one of the things we do, we fly into San Pedro Sula, then we jump in four-wheel drive pickup trucks, and we spend two hours, we drive way up in the mountains where there was no electricity, there's no schools, there's pretty much no nothing. And these people groups have lived up there in these villages for centuries with the whole world just kind of passing them by, extremely poor. And so one of the problems that they had, though, is they had what was known, it's called a cycle of poverty. And basically how it works is that... They drank water out of the streams, which was polluted with various bacteria and other types of things. And so that made them sick. Because it made them sick, they were able to only work, because they didn't feel good, in the fields for very short periods of time. So their productivity was low. And because their product productivity was low, when they had children, their children were malnourished. And malnourishment is one of the primary causes of a lack of IQ or development of the brain, right? A lack of nourishment. So what happened is we would go down there, and one of the things we did, we did a lot of different things, but one of the things is that what uh, the group we worked with, their goal was to get fresh water into these villages. And this is how we do it. We go up into the mountains, and they're already in the mountains, you know, so you didn't go far, but you'd hike up to a higher part, and you'd find a freshwater spring. They were everywhere. And so you would dig this big hole where the spring was coming out of the ground. It's probably about six to eight feet deep, and it was about four feet by four feet. And then you build a caisson around it, and then you would tap the caisson. You'd throw gravel in the bottom of it, and then you would put a lid over the top of it so animals couldn't get in there, nothing could get in there, because a lot of the water supply in these mountains is, is uh, polluted with a bacteria called Giardia, which comes from the feces of animals that get inside the streams. And so what you do is you'd seal it off. Sometimes they'd even just cap it with a concrete bricks, you know, big thing that you couldn't move. And then we'd take PVC pipe, a three-inch pipe, and you'd run it down the hill to the village that could be anywhere from 100 to 200 yards, and then you'd have a little manifold there that you distribute it to the houses. And what happened is these were not houses. They were actually huts. Many of them, they just had dirt floors. They would take a bunch of little sticks for walls, and then they would thatch the roofs to keep the rain off of them, and they slept in hammocks. And so the only concrete in their house was usually they'd make like a stove-type thing to cook on. And so what we would do is they would bring in water and these people started drinking water uh, that was clean. Guess what happened? Is in the villagers got healthier. They weren't as sick as much. So because they weren't as sick as much, they started to plant more and better crops because they had a, a higher harvest from better crops. 
We started to provide silos to them to store their corn and the stuff that they were growing. Their kids ate better. And over the course of 15 years, guess what happened to that entire population of kids as they grew up? They were educated, they were smarter, and they came back in and they started saying, well, what if we did this? And what if we fertilized? And what if we did that? And now they've broken the cycle of poverty in many of these places. What I just described to you is the difference between upstream and downstream. Upstream, downstream. Guard your heart for it is the what? Wellspring of your life. If your heart is polluted, then guess what? Everything here is affected. That is a very important principle. This is why in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul is right before that, he's writing about how, hey, don't do the polluted stuff. Don't get this junk in your heart because it results in malice and hatred and anger and discouragement and despair and hopelessness and every other nasty thing you can get on that list. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, live in the Spirit, because the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness. You see, upstream, guard your heart, get a lot more Jesus in there, and that results in a whole lot more joy where? Right here. And that's called the upstream-downstream effect. Listen to Romans uh, chapter 14, and it's verse uh, 17, and it talks about this really specifically. I love the way he says this. So he goes, realize for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Now, I was talking about these other belief systems earlier, and what is interesting about these belief systems is they are identified often by what you eat, what you drink, or what you wear. What you eat, what you drink, or what you wear. That's how you know. And what he's saying is that the kingdom of God is not about those things because this is all downstream stuff. Have you ever noticed that there's not a Christian dietary cookbook? You know, well, you have to eat succotash and green peas. Well, we'd lose a lot of people if that was the case. No, I'm joking. But you see what I'm saying is we don't have that. You know, you got to realize that Christians all across the globe, we have some really unique dress ideas, the way we wear our clothes, Right depending upon whether you're a Pacific Islander or you're from Norway. You know, the dress is pretty different. But see, the kingdom of God is not about what you're wearing. It's not about what you're eating and drinking. What is the real king? Those are downstream things. What is it really about? He says, it is about righteousness. It is about peace. And it is about joy in the Holy Spirit. This is all upstream stuff, folks. So he's talking about up stream things in your life. Now, why is this so important to understand? Because the whole point of getting our faith moving is that we should be pursuing joy in every moment, every possible way. I don't know what you're doing, but uh, 
Maybe you own a company. Maybe you are in your career or you're in charge of something. Maybe you're a teacher right now and you're getting your classroom back to shape. Maybe you're in the healthcare system and you're working hard. Maybe you work in as a first responder somehow, EMT, paramedic, a, fire, a fireman. Maybe you're a cop. I don't know. There's all these different things going on. We have all kinds of stresses in our life. We have a lot of conflicts. You're always resolving problems, right? You're always resolving challenges. There's always some new thing that's getting thrown at you as a curveball. We would constantly constantly face setbacks. We constantly are wondering, are things ever going to change or get better? Or I'd like more time or whatever may be the case. We're all in this headspace. And Jesus is saying in the midst of it all, pursue joy. Pursue joy. Try to find the joy. Because in the way you can do that is not focusing all on the downstream, oh, if I change this, or if this happens, or this goes my way, or I get this deal, or that, then I'll be happy. It never works that way. Because this stuff is always going on, right? What happens is up here is where joy originates from. Work on this stuff first, and then you'll experience it down here. You know, one of the interesting things about being a new dad you know, being a new dad is that uh, uh, you're kind of trying to figure out the whole process of new baby. And, you know, we, we had two kids back to back, you know, 19 months apart. And so they're, they're little toddlers, you know, and I'm trying to figure out this diaper thing. Kim comes home one time and I mean, their diapers were really, you know, and Kim was like, what are you doing? And I go, look, man, I, what? It says right up here on the box, up to 24 pounds. <laughs> They've only got about 15 pounds of stuff in them diapers. <laughs> That's a joke, but it's a funny one. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. So you think Kim would let me do that? Not in a million years. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things when you first start, you know, I mean, diapers are a downstream thing, aren't they? I mean, they are downstream in every sense of the word. And, and when you're new, you know, you're a new dad, you're sitting there going, oh, my goodness, you know, something might happen. So you get the goggles on and then you're thinking, I don't know if I can handle that odor. There's just some things that kind of set me off. Right. So what do you do? You know, you find something to plug your nose or cotton balls up your nose. And then you're thinking, man, if I get some of this stuff on me, I mean, that's just grody. And so you're wearing like, you know, those rubber gloves, you know, your, you know, a pair of leather gloves that you got from your shed. You know, you're out there and I'm going to change these diapers, you know. Oh, I need my mask on. But, oh, this is not good. You know, and you're doing that. There's a new dad. Then what happens is after you have two or three kids and you're sitting out there, I mean, you're a pro. You can change a diaper in like 25 seconds, right? You know, boom, 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 you're down there. And if you get a little on you, what do you do? You wash your hands. Come on, it's not the end of the world. It's all natural stuff. This stuff has been flowing in the world since the beginning, right? So, so what do you call that change from, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever in this diaper experience to 25 seconds, you're a pro, it's no big deal. It's called maturity. It's called strength. It's called wisdom. Now, I know in your life, many of you feel like the world you're living in is treating you like a baby treats a diaper. I know that. 
And the question is, is when the diaper has to be changed, is it the worst experience for you? Or have you become wise, mature, and strong? Because I'll tell you what, diaper changing ain't going to change with babies, and it ain't going to change in the life that you live. It's always going to happen. The question is, do you live in the downstream or do you live in the upstream? Listen to what Peter wrote to the early church. It's 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. So you don't see him. You might wonder if he's there, but you believe upstream. See, eyesight is downstream. Belief is upstream. Because of that, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Don't you love that? Inexpressible, glorious joy in your life. C.S. Lewis says it this way. I always like his quotes. You may have noticed, but notice what he says. If you want to get warm, you must stand where? Near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. And if you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. Does the world have those things? No. Do other belief systems have those things? No. Who has those things? Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. So get into Jesus because he goes on to say, they are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. See, so many people think about God as a moralist and they basically say, well, I don't know him. I don't know what he's like. He's this big judge up there, you know, floating around in clouds with a bunch of white hair and beard and stuff like that. And I better not make him upset because if I do a couple things, I'm a good person. He likes it. He's going to throw me some candy, you know, like joy or happiness now and then. And it's like that old rock candy, you know, that you always get at the parade when they're walking down, you know, and they throw that stuff at you and it hits you in the head and you go, I don't even like this stuff. But a lot of people think that's what God's like. And C.S. Lewis says, you don't have a clue. It's all about downstream, upstream. You want joy in your life. You want to understand how to have joy in the midst of how a baby treats a diaper, the world is treating you. If you want to know that, then you got to work on the upstream stuff. And all the upstream stuff has to do with pursuing Jesus unequivocally as the main priority. You want to change your marriage? Pursue Jesus. You want more happiness with your kids and in your life? Pursue a little more Jesus. You want more fun in your career and purpose and direction, pursue more Jesus. Upstream versus downstream happens every time. It's like the law of gravity. It never, ever changes. And the one thing you need, just like me, is you need more joy. We need it right now, like more than ever before. You know, I don't know if you know this, but um, just recently, because COVID, they didn't do it last year, but they did it this year, is the governor issued the Idaho Medal of Freedom to a certain number of recipients in the state of Idaho. In 2020, uh, there were two firefighters by the name of Jason Beck and Jonathan Metz in McCall. They were actually out picking up supplies for the uh, firehouse when they heard a massive explosion. They self uh, discharged themselves. In other words, they, they didn't even go back. They just went to this thing and they, it says, without any concern for their own well-being, without the proper gear, 
They entered into the homes and saved the lives of those people. And so the governor said, we are going to give you the Medal of Honor. In 2020, Corporal Eric Duke of the Nampa Police Department and Officer Eric Olson of the Lewiston Police Department did some amazing thing. Eric Olson in Lewiston, you know, that's a little tiny town. There's not a whole lot of people. They had a guy come into the town who started shooting at people. And he pursued him, and the guy was shooting at him. And then the guy jumped in his car and drove away. He gets in his car, he pursues him anyway without any concern for his life or limb. All he's concerned about, if this maniac gets away, he's going to kill people. So he pursued him. The guy gets stops, starts shooting at him again. He re-engages with him. And then the guy jumps in his truck, takes off. He pursues him a third time. And the guy stops, starts shooting on him. He gets out, even under fire, pulls his weapon for the third time, returns fire, and finally brings that bad guy down. And the governor says, we're giving you the Medal of Honor because you did, you risked life and limb to protect your community. In 2021, the recipients are uh, Sergeant Justin Anderson of the Post Falls uh, Police Department. There's a conservation officer. His name is Randy Martinez. He was out. He works for Fishing Game. He's a fishing game guy. And he's out there doing some stuff in National Forest. And what happens is there, were, uh, there was a guy that started uh, uh, violating protection orders and he was trying to break into a house and he had shot somebody up there. These cops showed up and these cops, he started shooting at them. They were pinned down behind their cars. He hears this, he grabs his own weapon out of his truck and he flanks the guy. And when the guy charges these cops that were pinned down, he could have easily killed them. He stood up, he yells at the guy and he starts shooting at him. And so the guy saw this and he ran off. And they said because of his bravery, he saved those cops' lives. Eventually, more cops showed up. He showed them because he knew the woods so well, obviously. He goes exactly where the guy is. They take him down. He won the Medal of Honor because of his bravery. Corporal Ben Heinrich, officers Robert Heaton, Selena Mortensen, and Seferino Tapia, all of the Caldwell Police Department. There was a guy that went in and he started stabbing this woman. I know these things sound gross. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be too graphic. I just want you to understand what they did. And then he ran out and he, he had a handgun, he had a shotgun and a high-powered rifle. And he took hostages in another house and he was shooting at all of them. And without any concern for their safety, they went in, they subdued that guy who eventually died from his wounds, saving lives. And they won the Medal of Honor. You see, when you make a choice to serve, you're, you're making an upstream choice. <laughs> but you're living in the downstream. People shooting at you, doing all kinds of stuff. And that brings me joy, knowing that there are people that are willing to make those choices. And live. I say, I'm so glad that our state gave them the Medal of Honor. You know, the world is upside down right now. It's crazy. You may be, we have a lot of vets in our church, people who have served over the last 30 years. And some of them fought in Iraq. Some of them have fought in Afghanistan, all over the globe. And right now you see what's going on over there and you may be discouraged. You may think to yourself, you know what? I did all of that, I sacrificed, and maybe I didn't push the evil back enough because it seems like it's just a mess. Well, I want you to know something. Because of your sacrifice, my kids grew up 
safe. My kids grew up safe because of what you did. And I honor that. I honor your sacrifice. And we just say thanks because that brings me joy. Because you know what? No matter how bad the world gets. Yeah, amen to that. No matter how bad the world gets. (laughs) No matter how many diapers need to be changed. It's people who live and make decisions in the upstream that changes the downstream. Let's never forget that. And the most important thing you and I could do is we could pursue joy because that will have the biggest effect there in the long run. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.